Hello, hello, and welcome to the Badass Fertility Podcast. I am your host, Katherine Bregman, and I am so glad you're here. I'm super excited about today's episode because we have with us an amazing guest who is going to tell us not only about her incredible journey to motherhood, but also what she learned about it along the way. Um, We have Jen with us. Jennifer is a yoga, Pilates, meditation, and breathwork teacher who specializes in fertility and women's health. She had a long and difficult fertility journey of her own, which she's going to share a bit about with us today. And interestingly, she then found the practice of yoga. And through that, she started to be able to ease her anxiety while she was trying to conceive. She relieved chronic insomnia, rebalanced a thyroid condition, and eventually became pregnant naturally. So she has a lot of wisdom and expertise on all of this stuff. And she's going to come on here and she's going to put it together for us so that we can understand better how the heck this is supposed to help you become the mom that you are meant to be. She now runs, she has an online business, excuse me, called Element Pilates and Yoga. And she helps women all over the world with fertility challenges find their way to motherhood. So I am so excited to welcome you onto the show, Jen. Thank you so much for being here. What an intro. (laughs) Well, we are honored to have you. I mean, you are just really amazing and have an incredible story. And um, why don't we go ahead and start a little bit with that now so we can get to know you. And then we'll talk a bit about, you know, all the amazing things that you do for women. And I do want to point out, I think before I let you get started, it's so cool that, you know, both of us had these long fertility journeys. And I was thinking before we got on the call, I was like, how cool is this to be on the other side and be reaching back and saying like, here's what I learned. Here's what worked for me. Not everything that worked for me is going to work for you, but you can find the thing that worked for you. And let me tell you about what I know so that you can discern for yourself what your next best step should be. And Mm -hmm. I just, I'm so honored, you know, to be in this position, to be able to share this. And I'm so glad you're with us today. Oh, thank you. I completely agree with you. There's so much information out there that you're not aware of when you first start encountering fertility problems, right? And so the more you can just learn and educate yourself about different ways that are going to work and different ways that are going to help you, it's it's the best thing. We're very lucky that these days it's all readily available information. And yeah, I'm excited to share it with you today. Exactly, exactly. And it's overwhelming, you know, so Mm -hmm. that's why we've got to come together as women and support each other with this knowledge so that we can, you know, everybody can find their path. That's what we are all about. So, um, so tell me about, tell us (laughs) about your fertility journey. Let's go ahead and start there. How long we got? No, I'll I'll try and do the the quick notes (laughs) version. So um, I got married when I was 33. 
And uh-huh. we moved overseas from Australia to the mid, uh, sorry, to Southeast Asia soon after we got married. So we didn't want to start trying straight away. We wanted to kind of settle into our new country and just travel. And so we did that for about sort of six months and then we decided it was time. And, you know, we were both relatively young, I suppose, in the scheme of things. And we had no health issues. I worked in the fitness industry where we had zero idea that we'd have any trouble conceiving. So I went off birth control and my cycle never returned. And wow. after a few months, we went back to the doctor and said, look, this isn't ideal. She said, look, sometimes it can just take a little bit longer for some people. Don't worry, just keep waiting. So we did oh. and we waited and we waited. <laughs> At about the 12 month mark, we started to get a bit worried. So I went down the natural route of trying things, acupuncture, functional nutritionist, nothing really seemed to help. So we were eventually referred to a fertility doctor whose first words were, you've probably just gone through early menopause, which was really not the thing that a a, probably 34 by this stage year old wanted to hear. Uh, So I think he started us off with some ovulation induction medicine, which didn't get me to ovulate and still nothing was happening. So without really knowing what else to do, we were just thrown straight into IVF. And I was kind of relieved. I thought, mm-hmm. you know, IVF is like this beacon of hope when you go yeah. through fertility challenges, right? Yeah. You think, oh, at least there's IVF. Yeah. But I didn't respond to the meds at all, not even a little bit. And every couple mm-hmm. of days I'd go in, they'd check me, they would up my dosage. And mm-hmm. after 14 days, they had to cancel the cycle because I hadn't responded at all. My hormone levels were basically baseline, Wow. which is <laughs> you know, yeah, I can imagine sort of how you felt. Not a lot you can do when yeah. that's the case. And they didn't really have any answers. Right. So we were looking at the possibility that IVF wasn't even going to be an option for us and what to do in that situation. But I had had a few friends back in Sydney with some success with a particular fertility doctor. Okay. So we decided to meet with her. So we traveled back to Sydney and we met with her and she said, look, I think we can try a few different things. Um, you know, I'm quite positive about this. Let's give it a go. So we did a cycle with her and it wasn't a great cycle. Uh, things were better, but not amazing, but we okay. did end up with one embryo and it was an untested embryo. It was a fresh transfer and that little girl is nearly six years old. Oh <laughs> so my, that was my gosh. first fertility journey. Very wow. unlikely. Uh, it was, yeah, that was a shock, but we were over the moon and I was lucky I was able to breastfeed her for about a year. Mm -hmm. And after I finished breastfeeding, my cycle returned. It just came back and I was so excited and so relieved. And we had always discussed wanting to have two children. My husband and I both only children and we wanted to have two. So we decided we'd start trying straight away and we never got to try the first time. So we were excited. It was, you know, yeah. <laughs> so many couples have had at the beginning, but Worse. sadly, journey was much more difficult and much longer than the first one <laughs> in the end. Uh, so many reasons we just did not see coming. So wow. uh, my cycle was regular. It was a little bit short. So we went back to a doctor after about six months. Um, we were living in Dubai at this stage, so still overseas from Australia. And she said, look, your AMH levels are pretty low. Um, you know, your FSH levels are a bit high. Not the end of the world, but not ideal. How about uh-huh. we just do 
some more ovulation induction will give you some progesterone to support your cycle. See if that does the trick. So we thought, no worries. So we did that for quite a few months and obviously with no luck. So again, at about the 12 month mark, we'd been trying consistently. We went back and she said, look, let's do some further investigations. So we found out that my fallopian tubes were partially blocked and I had developed a thyroid condition. My husband's results started coming back a bit worse as well. And I developed chronic insomnia. Uh, It was just unbelievably difficult. And this was all around the end of 2019. And so I was put on sleeping tablets. I was taking letrozole to get me to ovulate. I was taking progesterone to help support my cycle. I was on thyroid medication, also a hormone. I was a mess and just really struggling to get through the day. You know, putting on a brave face, going to work, but I was just a disaster. And after a few months and, you know, after the fallopian tubes had come back, not entirely clear, they said, look, you know, you're 37 now, you need to go back to IVF and you need to do it soon. Mm. So we were so disappointed, you know, but also relieved, you know, yeah. we're like, well, IVF worked last time. So let's sure. do it again. Here we go. Get it over and done with. And it was one of those cycles where everything was perfect. I had wow. the most perfect hormone levels. We had two beautiful, perfect little embryos and we transferred both of them. We thought, look, we only want to have one more baby. If we end up with twins, that'd be a great bonus, but sure. look, that's fine. So sadly they didn't stick. And the day after my beta, uh, we went into lockdown because this was in March of 2020. Okay. Over COVID. So every yeah. fertility clinic in the city shut down, as did most all around the world, as so many women know. Yeah. So we thought that was it. We thought that was pretty much um, the end of our journey. So that was probably my lowest point. You know, I, was, oh, I had been on really high dose stims throughout my IVF cycle. So my body was still trying to process all of that. Yeah. I would be waking up at 3 a.m. if I got to sleep and I would just be awake and crying in the bathroom floor and it was just one of those real like rock bottom moments. Um, And, yeah, we had no idea if we could ever try another cycle again. So anyway, it was around this time a colleague of mine said to me, look, I don't know if you're interested, but I have a friend who teaches fertility yoga. And because, you know, the world has gone into lockdown, she's moved all of her practices online. Do you want to meet with her? She's had really good success with with a bunch of students. And I thought, oh, my God, I've just been through another round of IVF. Right. What is a bit of yoga going to do? <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, if IVF can't yoga. fix it, why would yoga? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And I'd been teaching Pilates for about 12 years at this stage. And okay. I, you know, I liked yoga sometimes, but I didn't really get it. I never really got into it. Mm. You know, I'd go to a class, we'd be lying down. I'd sit there thinking, can we just do some push-ups or something? Like, this is so boring. Why are we here? I, I've got an hour. I need to work out. You know, I was an athlete growing up. I've always been in that mindset that like more is more when it comes to exercise. More yeah. is more. Yeah. But I thought, look, we're in lockdown. My studio is closed, so I can't go to work. I have literally nothing else to do or to try. So I thought I'd give it a go. And I started practicing with this amazing woman from Melbourne who gave me some practices to do around my cycle. And I fell in love with it. It was a thing. 
And a couple of weeks, it was a really short amount of time, maybe two or three weeks later. And I, I'm a very type A, very like, let's do all the things. Give me the list. I will right. follow instructions. So I was like, okay, I'm going to practice every day. I'm going to do exactly as she tells me. But within a couple of weeks, I started to notice little things were changing. You know, mm-hmm. I would wake up in the morning and I was less miserable. You know, I think I was nicer to my husband. <laughs> I found bonus. it easy, bonus um, <laughs> to be with my daughter who was uh, two, two and a half by this stage. And, you know, secondary infertility is one of those things that we don't talk about a lot. And so much guilt and shame comes along with it. And I felt so guilty that I had this beautiful little girl and all I wanted was to give her a sibling and to have another baby and just move on with my life. And I just, that really, really um, shook me. I was, I found it really hard just to be okay with the idea of having one child. And then a few weeks later, bigger things started to happen. I started to sleep again in my insomnia disappeared, which was life-changing And without changing any of my medication, my thyroid condition started to rebalance as well. Wow! My results would come back better. That was the only thing I had changed in my life. And then in July of that year, so it would have been about three or four months later, I fell pregnant naturally. Oh my gosh. We were blown away. We were in total shock. Amazing. It was amazing. So we went to the doctor had it confirmed, my HCG levels were rising. I started getting morning sickness. It was all very exciting. And then we lost that baby. Oh my gosh. Oh, eight weeks we lost that baby. So, I'm so but sorry. you know what? Thank you. It wasn't my lowest point because there was something playing in the back of my mind now that I had been able to do something that no doctor told me was possible. You know, IVF is your only chance. Exactly. You've got the egg reserve of a 50-year-old, all that jazz, mm. all these lovely things that we hear from you. <laughs> um, but, and it was a really hard time, don't get me wrong, but I I knew I could do it again. Yes. But I also, I wanted to know why. Why had something as simple as yoga had such a profound effect on my entire life and helped me to fall pregnant? It wasn't just the pregnancy. It was it was so many things. So I retrained as a yoga teacher. So I dove into my 500-hour teacher training. I then found a lovely training school in Australia that specialized in uh, yoga for women and fertility yoga, which I dove into as well. I absolutely loved it. And I just started employing all of the practices and the principles into my life and learning more about it. It was so eye-opening. Yeah. And about six months later, I fell pregnant again. And that little boy is now two. So wow! Is- <laughs> oh, congratulations! Would have thank you thought that I would end up teaching fertility work and practices to women all over the world online. It was just never on the cards for me. But that's the majority of the work that I do now. So I guess that's what brings me here today. Ah. Oh. That is incredible. I love that story. I love it so much. There's so many, so many interesting points that you made throughout the whole thing. And I just, oh, it's just fascinating. And one of the things that I thought was so interesting that you said, because I think it's so typical of so many women, you know, on this journey is this idea that more is more. 
right? Like you thought that, you know, if, if you do 10 pushups, try a hundred pushups, you know, or, or, or whatever example you use, but that more is always going to be better. It's always going to lead to more. And it sounds like one of the lessons that the fertility yoga really brought to you or showed you was, and you didn't say this, so correct me if I'm wrong, but like slowing down, like, like getting into a different groove in your body. Um, can you tell me about that? It was the one thing that I hadn't done. Mm -hmm. And like I said before, I was one of the let's do all the things kind of person and no word of a lie. I was taking 19 supplements every day. I was going to acupuncture religiously three times per week. I was doing hypnosis twice a day. I was going to fertility massage, reflexology, like you name it. I was exhausted. Right. Uh, And just the mental load of having to fit all of that into your week is just Mm -hmm. so unbelievably unhelpful. (laughs) Yeah. But, you know, it was a combination of being stuck in lockdown. So I couldn't do a lot of those things. That was enormously helpful. Right. And then yoga gave me this space to stop and to slow down and to breathe. And that was the only thing I hadn't done. All of these, you know, things that I was pushing and pushing and what more can I do? And, oh, I've heard this work for that person. So I'm going to give that a go. And like the list was literally endless, but I never for a moment thought that what my body needed was just a break, just Mm. a bit of time to, to rest and to heal and to do what it could do. I never knew how capable I was and yoga gave that to me. So it was, you know, it feels very serendipitous these days, but it really was, you know, something that came to me at the right time. Mm. And I hope that in the practices that I teach now, hopefully I can show other women that it doesn't have to come to them so late. They can discover these things earlier on in their journey. And I wish more than anything in the world, I had a magic wand Mm -hmm. and I could just say to women, come and do practices with me for a couple of months and you'll be pregnant. What I wouldn't do that, but what I can absolutely promise you without any doubt is that it will reclaim some of the sense of yourself that you've lost. And yes. just remind you that you are capable and you are worthy and that the only thing that matters is you. And it seems kind of cliche that I sort of found yoga at this stage of my journey. Um, but it really did change my life. That's so amazing. And it's so interesting to me, like one thing that keeps coming up and this wasn't what I planned on talking about, but I feel like I have to just say it is I'm fascinated by this idea that yoga was like kind of the last thing that you ever would have tried. Like you had said in your story, like, give me a push up right? Like I want to do a push up, but I don't necessarily want to be hanging out, lying down on the floor. I'm going to be like, what the fuck? Like, tell me what, do. let me do something more productive than this, you know? <laughs> and yet like that, that settling in was the thing that you needed. And the reason I'm fascinated by this is because, you know, as I said earlier in the show, like we both have had our individual fertility journeys and I'm not going to go into mine, but this really struck me was I've always been like a yoga type person. Never do I ever want to do a push up. 
And (laughs) that is my idea of hell. And that probably means I should do more pushups, right? But like, don't ever want to do the pushup. What's interesting is that, you know, similarly doing the acupuncture, I was doing the acupuncture, doing the, the, all, all the things, right. And one of the things that really helped me was doing an exercise that I'd never done before. And that was hit high intensity interval training, which I'm not recommending as a solution. A lot of people actually say it's not great for fertility, but, but I was recommended to do it to help balance my particular hormones. And it really was so powerful. And so what's coming to me in this conversation is that a lot of the time success on this journey is about stepping out of your comfort zone. It's about being willing to say, you know what? I've tried it my way. Now I'm going to try something else. (laughs) And that's some, yes. And like, that something else has to feel right. So I'm not saying like, just go out and try whatever. I did not like hit at all, but I knew in the end, I knew it was what I needed to do. Like I felt it in my body. And in the end I did kind of like it. So, you know, I'm a lot more open to that stuff now because of my journey, just like you. And I just love that. So I just wanted to point out that lesson of like, we got to get out of our comfort zones. And you said, I never knew how capable I was. And I just think that's so powerful because everyone listening to this show has within them this vast untapped capability. That's why they're listening, right? Because you, the listener, know that this is meant for you too. Yeah, definitely. Could not agree more. And yeah. it is all about balance, you know. It's, yes. it's your body what maybe you don't lean towards and what yeah. you don't feel comfortable doing. And I for know, me, right? sitting down, meditating, and lying in a restorative yoga pose uh-huh. was my idea of hell. Like how boring, how unproductive, you know. And God, fast forward to now, and you know, I'm 41 now, and we're no longer trying to conceive, but I still use these practices around my cycle every day and I come to my yoga mat and I sit down and just oh the silence and the stillness Mm. and the peace that some of these practices give me I'm absolutely hooked these days yeah that's so great so tell me Mm. about yoga for fertility what makes it like specific for fertility what tell me about that so I have to point out, it's not like some fancy new form of yoga that I've invented or anyone <laughs> okay. has invented. You know, it's um, if you've been to a yoga class, it's probably not, doesn't look that different to what you see in a normal class. But okay. what is different about fertility yoga is that we match the practices and the exercises to each phase of the menstrual cycle. Oh, so for example, okay. during menstruation, this is a time where your hormone levels are at their lowest. Your body is working really hard to let go of the previous month's cycle. And your uterus is, is actually a muscle, which a lot of people don't realize. So that muscle yeah. is working so hard to release and shed the lining. So mm-hmm. during menstruation, that is a time for rest. So mm-hmm. I try to get my students to, instead of going to the gym, you know, sleep in, go to bed a bit earlier restorative yoga is what we do which is literally just laying around on pillows which uh is very I love that I want to do restorative yoga. <laughs> it's heaven 
So then once we are out of menstruation and, you know, it is, it is a cycle and it is a phase. So it's not like the hormone levels suddenly rise after your period has finished, but then they gradually start to rise Mm -hmm. during your follicular phase. So here is where we start to build a little bit more intensity, a little bit more high, not high impact, but high energy practices within yoga. We do a lot more standing work and it feels a lot more physical. Mm-hmm. And then as we reach ovulation, again, we're working with the peak of your hormones, ideally. So that's where hopefully your hormone levels have risen to the point that your body is about to release an egg. So okay. we keep that energy going. We keep blood flowing throughout the body. And then we try to bring the energy downwards as well, just to help really support and encourage that healthy ovulation. Okay. And then after that, again, it is a phase, but your hormone levels will then start to drop or change. Mm-hmm. So if you're not pregnant, they will continue to decrease until your period starts again. Or if you are pregnant, <clears throat> your estrogen is going to rise and your progesterone is going to continue to rise. Right. And if you are pregnant, your body is about to undergo the most stressful thing it's ever done in its life. So no matter whether we are preparing for pregnancy or for a period, that's where we want to scale the practices back a little bit once again. So make them not completely restorative like we do during menstruation, but gentler, slower, again, really focusing on keeping blood flowing, especially down to the the uterus to support Mm -hmm. implantation. But we want to really get that nervous system regulated and reduce cortisol levels there as well. So that's how we work Mm. it around the menstrual cycles. That's the only way that it's different to say a normal fertility, a normal yoga practice. And there's there's not a, a huge amount that we avoid in fertility yoga. It's just knowing what poses to do at what stages of the cycle. That's the best way that I can probably explain it. That's amazing. I think that sounds, it makes so much sense. Right. And, and I, I, um, I've, I've been aware of the importance of doing certain exercises at certain times in your cycle, but I never thought about it in terms of setting up a practice intentionally to help regulate certain hormones, um, help support the body in certain ways, help flush it out in certain ways. It's just, really cool stuff. And you mentioned one thing I want to pick your brain about a little bit, because we talk a lot, I talk a lot about, um, in my program and also on this show, um, a bit like living in fight or flight mode, right. And the excess cortisol that's produced as a result of that and the damaging impact it can have on fertility hormones. Um, so I heard you mention something about reducing cortisol. So I was just, I wanted to hear a little bit more about that. So those of you who might not be so interested, bear with us. I just really need to know. (laughs) I'll try and and make an enjoyable science lesson. Yes. Uh, yes, Like a fun, happy little quick science lesson. What, what is that all about? (laughs) This could be a whole episode on its own. Something I'm quite passionate about educating my students around because it's incredibly important. And I know from first experience, what excess levels of cortisol do to your body physically mm-hmm. and it's all the emotional and the mental ramifications yes. from that as well. So Absolutely. We know that stress doesn't cause infertility, but infertility does cause stress. For so sure. it is this horrible, you know, circular, horrible yeah. cycle where it then does start to make things more difficult. And what I normally like to get my students to do is start tracking their cycle. 
So let's track your, you know, whether you're getting any PMS, you know, the, your bleed, how your period is looking, all of those sorts of things. And then the next important thing to track after that is ovulation. Okay. And we usually find, you know, around ovulation, ideally what happens is your libido increases. Uh -huh. And of course, you know, anyone who's been trying to conceive for any long period of time knows that that's not always the way, but in a perfect <laughs> world. Libido, it's like, yeah. <laughs> yep. It's, I mean, so it happens. Like, um, we can talk about that too, but go on. Oh yeah. But ideally that is what happens. So around yes. ovulation, we should be getting lots of signs and lots of signals that ovulation is happening. And then if you don't have a 14-day luteal phase or a 14-day two-week wait, that is something that needs to be addressed as well. Oh, so first okay. of all, if we don't have a clear ovulation happening and, you know, we're not getting a, a positive ovulation test, you know, it's just it's like day nine here, day 16 there, it's not consistent. We need to look at what we were doing in the previous month's two-week wait and the previous month's period. Now, when your period is is happening, your hormone levels are at their lowest, as I said. And if you are pushing yourself in that stage to then go and do high intensity exercise, right. even like long endurance things like walks or jogs for a long period of time, if you run off your feet, you know, you're running from meetings to different work functions to social events on the weekends, all of this really drains your body of the very small amounts of energy reserves that it has. Right. And that increases the cortisol levels dramatically. So when wow. you aren't sort of leaning into the fact that the body needs to rest and recuperate, mm. your cortisol levels will start pumping out to give you that extra boost of adrenaline or start pumping out as well, norepinephrine, all these hormones that start to give you a bit of extra energy. But then they have the horrible effect of then stealing from your sex hormones throughout the cycle. So then we know wow. that excess. So wait, let me just go back for a second. So you're saying that if you are stressing yourself out, working hard, pushing yourself, right? During your menstrual cycle time, that is going to have an impact potentially on your ovulatory phase and your uh, your libido, right? Your desire to have, to have sex. And your luteal phase too, yes. Wow. Definitely. I mean, the, the three stress hormones that I mentioned, cortisol in particular, steals from your body's ability to produce progesterone. Right. So the more cortisol you have, the harder mm -hmm. it is for your body to make progesterone because the cortisol mm -hmm. steals from that production. And so that affects obviously ovulation, but it really right. affects the, the luteal phase as well. So I, I used to have like a nine-day luteal phase, which is not great. You know, yeah. it's very, very hard for your body to support implantation if your progesterone levels are dropping so quickly. Huh. So that is something that we need to look at. You know, we look at whether ovulation is clear, whether the two-week wait is a good amount of time. And if not, we then go back and we look at what we're doing. So then we start to try to change things a little bit. So let's maybe give ourselves at least three days during our period, at least when it's quite heavy, where we just lean into resting and doing very little else. Obviously, we still need to go to work. We still need right. to live our lives. But right. it's like, where can we take some time back, you know, instead right. of getting up early mm -hmm. and going for, you know, an early morning gym session, we mm -hmm. sleep in, mm -hmm. you know, instead of saying yes to five different events on the weekend, mm -hmm. maybe we just say yes to one or two. Right. It's, it's not about stopping your life, uh, mm -hmm. but it's about just 
reclaiming a little bit of time for yourself. And then we try to work, you know, the rest of our exercise and our lifestyle around our menstrual cycle as well. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that follicular and ovulatory that. phase, that's where you want to start going for those HIIT workouts. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say if you're trying to conceive, you do them every day. No. Um, oh my God, no. I did it twice a week. <laughs> yeah, yes. Plus, that and was plenty. <laughs> and traditionally... Good. A HIIT workout was designed to be sort of 20 minutes. You know, these people that go and do like an hour-long HIIT session, like that is incredibly stressful on your body. You might feel great because, you know, you're producing all those endorphins and exercise is wonderful for all of that. But at the same time, it is a stressful thing to do. Mm -hmm. So you want to just make sure you're doing it kind of within reason. And then during the two-week wait, maybe that's a time where we start to scale back those practices, you know. We do sort of, I don't want to say gentle exercise, you know, it really depends on the person and what right. their bodies do and what their bodies will deem stressful, sure. you know, doing weight training, lighter, lighter weights and, you know, less like really heavy overload training. There are so many different things that we can do to really support the menstrual cycle in terms of exercise, which is such mm-hmm. a powerful thing to know that you can do. It so I hope is. that answers your question. My goodness. Yes, I just yes. I hope that. I mean, wow, you are such a wealth of information and I love picking your brain and I love all of the ideas that you're putting out there because, you know, what I'm hearing in, you know, amidst all of the fascinating science that you're bringing to the table here and the wisdom contained within it is also the importance of becoming connected to what's happening in our body within our menstrual cycle so that we can work with it to whatever degree suits us. So that might look different for every woman, depending, I'm sure it does, right? And depending on every factor under the sun, right? Where she is when she starts with you, um, what her goals are, what her challenges are. So, you know, it can all be different, but the point is growing that awareness. And if I want to speak to anyone who feels like, oh my God, this is another fucking thing I have to do, right? Like, (laughs) like now I have to get in touch with my menstrual cycle on top of all the other things that I am already doing. Thanks, Catherine. Thanks, Jen. Right. But I want to say to those people, because I I honestly, if I was listening to this podcast several years ago, that could absolutely be me because this would be intimidating to me. I would feel like that sounds great for her and for all of these amazing women out there. But what if I can't do that? Like, what if I feel like I'm not capable of keeping track of this menstrual cycle or doing these exercises and, you know, bringing all of this stuff into my life. And, Mm. um, you know, I have thoughts about what I might say to that person, but I want to know what you would say to them first. I want to give you an opportunity to respond to that concern, you know, that's so natural and so understandable and probably on many people's minds. Totally. So many things. The first thing I would say is start small. So mm-hmm. goodness, let's just take the the two big things that we need that we can probably notice the most during a menstrual cycle. Your period, that's pretty obvious. So right. let's take note of that. And Check. ovulation, which if you're trying to conceive, is the main event. Right. So let's probably, just probably those two things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we can start to fill in the blanks and the gaps between those two things 
a little later. But if you can start to track, okay, my period started here. I'm pretty sure I got a positive ovulation test here. You know, and there's so many great devices these days that give you a really accurate reading of ovulation, yeah. much yeah. better than the drip tests from when you and I were trying to conceive. Yeah. Um, so that's where I would start. And then the thing that I, oh, it's so hard to get your brain around this when, you know, we grew up being told that our periods are a nuisance and they're something yep. to be ignored. Yeah. And you know, whack a tampon in, take some pain relief, get on with your day. Absolutely. That is the rhetoric that we were brought up with. We were told that that's the way we treat our bodies. Mm-hmm. But there is such an incredible amount of power in reclaiming what mm-hmm. your body is meant to do. And to know that there is a time in your menstrual cycle for everything. And when you can start to work with your body and what it needs at each cycle, there is so much power in that. Yes. It changes your life. And I came to cycle syncing through fertility yoga, but it's something I wish I had learned when I was a teenager. And my daughter will learn it as soon as she can, you know, I've already started trying to tell her. I just didn't quite get it now, but that's okay. The more she just hears mummy bang on about these things, the better. Yeah. Because, you know, I feel like we were really robbed of a lot of beautiful things that, you know, we could have been learning about our bodies. Yes. You know, I suspect that had I not been on birth control for nearly two decades, Mm. I don't think I would have had any trouble conceiving. You know, if I had just learned to work with my menstrual cycle and, you know, when you do start becoming familiar with with what's happening in your body, you can then notice when things are off and when things change and you think, oh, okay, that's not normal mm-hmm. and you can perhaps address that, you know, um, it gives you so much power. So, you know, if you do have a cycle, I know a lot of women don't and that's maybe a conversation for another day, another thing yeah. we can work around. But yeah. if you do have a menstrual cycle, it really, it's never too late to start learning more about exactly what happens in your body at each phase. And it Mm. just, I, you know, I welcome my period now, you know, I don't think it's a nuisance. I don't think it's something to be rolling my eyes at it. You know, it's just, it's my body being healthy. And I think there's a real gift in that. Yes. I love that so much. I mean, there's so much wisdom in that and so much I could pick apart and just rattle on about forever um, because you know, <laughs> there's so much in what you said about you know women's bodies and the way that we've been taught to perceive our bodies and think about our menstrual cycles throughout our lives and the impact that has on our own hormonal balance, which of course then impacts fertility. And so even when we're talking to our listeners today, one thing that kept coming up for me when you were saying is like, it's so empowering to realize that these things that seem so beyond our control, like I grew up thinking I have bad cramps, my periods are heavy, I need my doll, right? I need the strongest, you know, aspirin, whatever I can find. And that's, that's my only choice. You know, nobody ever brought up diet or exercise, um, both of which I thought were probably fine for myself, but could have been, you know, like you're pointing out, synced more to my cycle. So I guess the point I'm making is that sometimes it isn't until we start struggling to conceive that we start to realize the power we have over our fertility and that Mm. we have this ability to 
even there's power in slowing down. Like I was thinking, you know, for anyone out there who's thinking like, oh my God, where would I even start with this? It's like, start looking at your calendar and figuring out when your period's supposed to come. And like you suggested, keep that weekend light. Or, you know, if you're tired that day, don't make that the day that you're going to force yourself to wake up early and go to work. You know, like just start thinking kindly towards yourself about whatever those bodily urges are that are coming up because they're coming from a source of wisdom. They're not necessarily coming from a place of laziness. Like we've probably been raised to think like, oh, if I don't push myself through my period, I'm just, you know, so, so lazy, right? Or I'm just like, whatever, it's a bad thing. And, and what we're really doing is turning that on its head and saying, no, you have so much power to nourish yourself in this time. Mm, that's so true. Exactly what you said. Kindness. Yeah. And nourish. Yes. You know, Love those. Oh, I, I feel like I can breathe a sigh of relief when you say those words. Yeah. And it's the opposite to what we were ever taught. You know, we're we're taught to be productive and that's tied to our worthiness. And right. you know, as women, we need to be, you know, always making sure we're doing the right things all the time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, sitting around being lazy one day, well, that's unproductive. And how dare we? You know, so it is it's really hard to change your mindset around these things. But mm-hmm. when you do, it's amazing. And I notice on social media a lot, maybe just because I work in this space, so I, I see it all the time. Let's right. hope. But lots of girls in their 20s are so outspoken about their cycles and yeah. how, you know, they're cancelling things because they've got their period. And it's just amazing, you know, that mm. this is so public and mm. being spoken about. So I really hope that times are changing, but we'll see. Oh, that is amazing. And it's a really beautiful note, I think, to start to wrap up on because you we're just, we have so many insights here today. And I feel like it all goes back to this idea of, like you said, like kindness and nourishment for yourself and really starting to tune into what it is your body is telling you. And if that sounds abstract, there's a lot of concrete tools that you we're going through that can help us. Like you said, with starting to look at your menstrual cycle, starting to pay attention to ovulation. So it doesn't have to be like this abstract woo woo thing. You know, there's a lot of science to it as well. And so I think for people who are like, well, what, what are we really even talking about here? Like we're really talking about how mind and body come together and create the harmony that is life right? And when you are seeking to conceive, that is the thing above all things that you're pursuing is the optimization of that connection. And Mm -hmm. so I really want to encourage everyone listening today to check out, Jen has an amazing offering. Um, Tell us what it is, Jen, something that people can go to um, in the show notes and find if they want to learn more about working with you. Sure. If you are new to yoga or fertility yoga and you just want to learn a little bit more about the practices, I have a free fertility yoga guide. So you can download that. It links to my YouTube channel and it just tells you which practices to do at which stage of your cycle. There's also some guidance there for those who don't have a cycle, you know, for whatever Mm -hmm. reason it might be, PCOS, hypothalamic amenorrhea. Um, So there's a little bit of information there just guide you so if that's where you're at there's also a breathwork practice in there and some meditation tips as well that sounds that's amazing. a really nice 
place to start. You know, it's not too overwhelming. It's, you know, not, it's a great little kind of dip your toe in the water. Yeah, just <laughs> um, try but, it out. <laughs> exactly. But if you find that you're resonating with the practices and also I find with yoga, especially, it is all about the teacher. So that's why I like yes. to give people some classes to go and try. Make sure that, you know, you vibe with me. And right. you know, if you don't like the teacher, I just know that it's not ever going to be something that works for you. So if you do like the practices that I have, then we can start to work together more closely. I have many online courses, which you can visit via my website, different offerings, whether you're going through IVF or IUI or trying naturally. And once a year, I open up my group coaching program, which will be the end of April this year. And that is an opportunity to jump into weekly live classes, different workshops with other fertility industry experts and can access all of my courses and content inside that program as well. So if you want to learn more about that, you can contact me through my website or through Instagram. I'm happy to chat anytime. And I highly encourage you, if you have found this conversation as illuminating and exciting as I have, follow Jen on Instagram. She has a seriously fun and educational account. I learn things from following her every day. So I am telling you, you will learn things too. Um, And just thank you so much for tuning in today. Thank you so much, Jen, for coming and sharing your wisdom with us. I think this conversation is so important because we talk so much about mindset on this program. And I I could talk all day about mindset. It is my thing. But we've also got to bring it connect it to the body, right? Because Mm -hmm. it's both. It's always both. It's the mind and the body. And what you brought to the table today for us is showing us how by connecting with the body, you also centered your mind, right? You also reduced cortisol levels, felt better. Like all of those things go together. And that's what we're really trying to explore and unpack here on the Badass Fertility Podcast. And I am so glad that you tuned in today to listen and follow along. So please check the show notes, check out Jen's free offerings. As always, you'll see some stuff down there from me as well. And I cannot wait to meet with you guys again next week and keep moving along on this journey. If you made it to the end of this podcast, please know you are meant to be a mom because you showed up and you're listening, and you're taking this stuff in. So keep going. One breath, one step, you're going to get there at the exact right time and in the exact right way. I will see you next week, my loves. Bye.